If falling in love was crazy, Colleen was now fully prepared to say goodbye to reality. This week on the podcast, Virtual Mode by Piers Anthony, Part 2. Yes. Part two of virtual mode. Yes. <laughs> Emma fully admitted that she skimmed a lot of this book because she waited to the last minute oh, to read I sh- it. I shouldn't laugh at that because usually <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a good student, but I did I did try to find some cliff notes for some of these chapters. You and can't my God, find there's, cliff notes. There are no cliff well, notes. Because this isn't a, like, a literary, like, this is not a book you study in school. <laughs> no, it's not. Um, but at times it did feel like a book you study at like I had to study while reading this that's book. real like science fiction writing though remember like a long time ago in one of our podcast episodes I was talking about how I tried to read Jurassic Park and I couldn't because it was like a yes. textbook this yes. is like that but less I like, feel like it's probably on the same line yeah honestly that's uh, pretty common in fantasy and sci-fi the few the few paragraphs that I read of Tom Clancy there are times when I'm like oh my god Piers Anthony is like Tom Clancy and I just cannot <laughs> but only in this book it. because like his Xanth books are like whimsical and like funny and oh yeah this is definitely more like science based yeah. and that was one of the things that I had trouble with do you uh, do you want to give us a synopsis of what happened last time Colleen is a depressed girl mm-hmm. and she stumbles upon a very strange man who turns out to be from another reality. A magic reality. A magic reality. One in which they can transfer emotions or something like that. Yep. They have a night together. They fall in love. She gets his key back, which is kind of like his ride back, back to his to home. His yep. But she doesn't go with him because she doesn't believe him. Right. And then, oops, she finds out it's real, and now they're just, they've created this virtual mode in order to get to each other. They have to travel the long way to get to each other, which means they have to cross lots of different realities. Correct. And we get to see a lot of cool places. And that's how you know that their love is truly worth it. Yes, because they're willing to go through that. They have to work for it. (laughs) Seriously, and boy do they. I also have to preface once again at the beginning of this episode that I am kind of scratching the surface with everything that happens in this book because there is a lot and there's a lot of uh, character development, there's a lot of action, there's a lot of stuff that goes on and I can't possibly go through all of it. A lot of detail about the landscape. Yes, a lot of detail. But if you're into that kind of thing, then it's kind of interesting. He does some amazing world building here because he literally has to come up with all of these different realities that are kind of like ours but different. I think it's really interesting. But... I can't really go into all that detail, so I'm basically skipping through a lot of stuff to get through the meat of the story. Okay. So I suggest you read it if you're interested in more. More immediately when we left off, both of them had set out on the virtual mode. Colleen had found a best friend telepathic horse. Yes. That she is now traveling with. Mm-hmm. Darius had gone back to his reality to drop off Prima, who is a uh, woman that got lost from his reality. So he delivered her back home. Now he's set off again. I'd be so <laughs> mad about that. Mad about what? That's that he had two to go back? days. But he did gain some valuable knowledge with it. Yes. Oh my God, because that now, was two days. And also, work. he would have been caught without her. That's true. So she, <sighs> he did learn through this experience of backtracking for a couple days that he has to be more cautious. And so now he is as mm-hmm. he's traveling through. Um, the modes he uses like a mirror device to like check in between modes to make sure there's no like trap on the other side that can get him stuck like it did last time 
So I feel like all in all, it was a, a it good was worth thing it. For him. Okay. Otherwise, he'd be trapped with those dragons forever. Oh, he'd find some way out. Couldn't <laughs> Piers Anthony would just write some way out. Well, so he passes through the dragon area that he was previously trapped in, but eventually he ends up in what appears to be a human mode, based upon the houses that he sees. And it is, for there's a human woman standing in his path, all packed up as if waiting for him. Yes, and I felt like her description, I was like, oh my god, this is a witch! I'm so excited, it's a witch! Do you have the description on you? No, I don't! Oh, we gotta read it. You can't bring that up and and then not read it. Then he spied a woman. She was standing in the center of a glade as if expecting him. She wore a small hat with two very long projections like the antenna of insects, a gray woolen sweater, an ankle-length brown knit dress, and and high black boots laced up the front. She had what was evidently a traveling bag beside her. She was old, perhaps 60. What was on her mind? She Sounds does, like a witch. She does sound like a witch. <laughs> I was so excited. I, uh, re- at this point when I met, this woman's name is Provost, as mm-hmm. we soon learn. He, they don't speak the language of each other, but they manage to introduce themselves. When I first met Provost, I really wanted to know everything about her land. Yeah. We don't get to. No. Which is upsetting. Because she she's fascinating. Yeah, she sounds very cool. He sees this woman. She attaches herself to his arm, making it clear that she wants to go with him. He's confused, clearly, but... He knows that it's okay because he's like, well, as soon as I cross the modes, she won't be able to come with me. Right. But she does. She does. She does. She can cross between the modes, which means she's one of the five anchors. That's right. There's only five. We know of four now. Colleen. Colleen. Darius. Sekiro. And now Provost. Provost. Yep. As they travel, Provost warns Darius of different dangers that are about to happen before they happen. Which leads him really confused as to what's going on. (laughs) What is it with you? He demanded. Twice you may have saved my life, yet you act as if it's nothing. He pointed to the marks, making her look. How did you know? Yes, future, she said. No, past. You said that before, but I don't know what it means. She tried to explain. I, yes, future. You, yes, past. I know past. You, no future. He tried to make sense of this in the context of what he had seen. She was yes future and no past. He was no future and yes past. He had no future and she did? He couldn't accept that. But that couldn't be it because the corollary would be that she had no past while he did. The only thing that made remote sense was that he could not foresee the future while she... She could see the future? She had precognition? That seemed to be the case, and the barrier of language prevented her from telling him exactly what it was that she saw, so she was able to warn him only by crude gestures. But that could not be the whole of it. What did she mean about no past? She could not see the past? He walked on with her, his mind laboring. How is it possible for her not to know the past? She would have no memory. She would be completely unconcerned with yesterday, which was exactly the attitude she showed. Concerned for the future, none for the past. It seemed unbelievable, but she was from an alien mode, and its ordinariness in the physical aspect might mask a truly amazing difference in the mental aspect. So it's kind of, it's really interesting, but also kind of hard for me to wrap my brain around because I'm like, if you don't remember anything that you have experienced in the past, pretty soon you're gonna be traveling with a guy you don't remember because she can only see a certain distance into the future. Right. And it's kind of like our memories where it gets muddled. Right. So if, say, she's traveling with Darius 
and then, you know, they part. Eventually, she's going to get to a part where she doesn't remember him. It's like Dory from uh, Finding Nemo. Oh, my God. <laughs> and so I'm just like, well, how would she react to that? Yeah. And also, I want to know how she knows that he can see the past. How does she know that he's different from her? Oh, yeah, that's true. I mean... Maybe there are other people in her land that... Maybe. That well, experience They don't it, give like, us any information know. about her. Maybe, I don't know. Maybe, wait, if they had that conversation, wouldn't she see it in her future brain? <laughs> I don't know. It's, it's that time traveling question it thing. It is. Like, it I totally is. And Darius actually makes a comment about it, too. He's kind of like, uh, my brain is melting just thinking of yes. this. Um, that's not the words he uses. But it's pretty much just like that. So it's confusing, but it's kind of cool. It is very cool. I like the concept, and I want to know everything about her. Yeah. I will but we not don't be get satisfied. that. Nope. She is not we don't the main get character. We don't get that. Not yet, anyway. That will be our fan fiction for this yeah. book. <laughs> <laughs> I'm actually pretty sure we learn a little bit more about her in subsequent books, but to be honest, I've only read the other two books, or the other three, ugh. <laughs> the other three books one time, so I don't remember a lot. Yeah. I've read this first one a couple times, and then the other ones, not very many. Eventually... I guess this is a spoiler, but eventually she she does get dropped off somewhere. I don't remember where or when or why. I don't remember, oh, but yeah. I feel like we still don't learn enough about her, oh, okay. considering how interesting she, she is. is. Yeah. I want to know everything about her. Yeah, fan fiction. Exactly. Yeah. No. He'll no. Piers Anthony just wants to spend more time on the landscape. <laughs> yes, he's definitely a, a world builder. I can tell. That's where he loves to spend his time: <laughs> world building and describing women's breasts. Yes. Although, hang on. Let, I, sorry, this is the tangent. I was thinking about it, okay, as I was reading the second half and how annoyed I was with them talking about, like, the breasts and, like, how the men constantly think about sex. And then I was like, that's exactly what anime does. Like, that's what that's, anime does. You know, that's really funny because I was just thinking, I wonder if there's an anime out there for <laughs> I'm just saying, like, you know, in animes, the guys, like, constantly get nosebleeds, and every time a girl moves, her boobs make the, like, doink, doink, doink (laughs) sound, and I'm just like, I never had a problem with that. Why do I have a problem with this? uh, Maybe. Maybe it's because they're cartoons? I don't know. That, or you're not expecting much from the anime? You already expect it? I don't know. It just seems unfair to be so angry at this book when I've watched countless animes that are far worse. Yeah. I don't know. So they travel on. There's nice descriptions of various modes. Yes. Emma, Emma thinks there's too much of it, but there are some. Well, I mean, at this, at the end of this, I kind of felt like, was this all really necessary? It's world building. <sighs> Wouldn't you be disappointed if they didn't describe some I, of what he was seeing? I, I want to see some of it. I don't want to see the links that he went yeah. to. I can get the gist of it. And... When you made that note in the last podcast, his description is very clinical. Mm-hmm. For me, like when I read Terry Pratchett's books where he's world building, it's lyrical, it's yeah. magical. It's easier for me to get swept into it. With this, I'm like, I'm just reading a manual <laughs> about. <laughs> it's just the way he presents it Correct. that makes it yes. less interesting. Yes. I, I don't disagree with that. They're traveling through various modes. They eventually find themselves in a huge sand pit surrounded by sentient machines. There is a lot of action here. A huge, long, horribly I, long action scene. I couldn't even keep track of it. 
at all because I'm like yellow machines, gray machines. Yeah. And this is the part where I'm like, my God, this sounds like an anime. Well, <laughs> so it can get, I mean, yeah, it kind of <laughs> does. It can get really difficult. I I mean, I know from like just hobby writing that writing action scenes is hard. Yeah. It's hard to do. And he spent a long time on this one and it didn't flow easily enough to follow the action, which is ridiculous because he took such a long time. You'd think he'd have plenty of time to make 100% clear what's going on, but... Maybe that wasn't his objective, and he wasn't thinking of the simple-minded folk like me. <laughs> but see, sometimes I also feel like he over-explains things because he thinks we can't get it unless he does. Right. So I don't really know what to I think about it. Regardless. I'm at the whim of Piers <laughs> Anthony's imagination. <laughs> They're being pursued by sentient machines over the over across like several modes. Yes. And the machines are different colors in each mode, so they can't just like skip from one to another because all the machines and all the modes are after them. Yes. Finally, they manage to escape the machines. It's a long action yeah. scene. That's They escape. It's fine. Everything's fine. That's why I kind of felt like, was this chapter really necessary? I think it some felt people like, really enjoy that, though. It felt like that Battlestar Galactica episode with uh, the black market. Yeah, but that had no action in it. This is like the complete but opposite. But it was totally necessary. This I is it was like so the first... unnecessary. So unnecessary. I know you don't watch this, so you probably don't. You probably won't get it, but you'll get it. The first episode of the most recent season of Walking Dead, actually the first two episodes, were nothing but extended action sequences. Were they necessary? Absolutely not. To me, it felt like filler. Yes. And perhaps maybe that's what this that's is. What it's, I'm like, I understand that he wants to switch between Colleen and Darius's adventures. Yeah. But this chapter was already way too long. Ooh, I'm just like, God. It didn't need to be that long. This is the chapter I did not skim, unfortunately. <laughs> <laughs> but then you were tired after this chapter. Like, oh and then my God, why didn't I just skip you probably thing. could have skipped the I whole thing. You could have. I should have warned you ahead That's of time. That's okay. That's okay. <laughs> <laughs> if you like action sequences, here's a good long Chap- one. Chapter eight is your thing. <laughs> I read the whole thing, too, just because I wanted to make sure that there wasn't anything important hidden in there that I forgot about. There's not. But there's not. It's just mm-hmm. a long action sequence about I mean, running away from machines. I guess the only thing that you could take from it is that you see Darius and Provost working together. And we do learn that she is super smart and super capable. Yes. Considering she's like a 60-year-old woman. And she's invaluable. Got, like, yes. she need, he has to have her as a companion. She's a great companion for Because him. she seems to know, well, I mean, well, she doesn't seem to. She knows what's going to happen. So right. she's able to, like, anticipate things and tell him where to go. And uh, she's not afraid. And she no. is just ready to plow ahead. Go up there. Yeah. <laughs> so, cool. They uh, Once they're free of the machine world, several modes over, they settle down for the night. Uh, Darius asks Provost why she decided to travel the virtual mode, and pretty much it's just because she remembered doing so. <laughs> yeah, that's it. <laughs> I just know I have to. She's like, well, in the future. they explain it a little bit different than that. They mentioned that she's got, like, a blank space in her memory because oh, she yeah. can't see over modes right so her future sight does not work or future remembrance <laughs> doesn't work past modes because it's not the same world right she has to be in a specific in that mode, mode for a while for to a get while. accustomed to yeah. it and so she saw this huge blank space because it was in the modes and she decided it was inevitable to fight it and she would just go yeah so we have no idea what her uh, purpose is and we probably won't know until she gets there and she's like oh this is what I was going to do can you remember do. no Oh, I'm sorry, I can't. Okay. But all right. if I had any time to read any other books, I'd read the other two because I'm now I'm invested again and yeah. I want to <laughs> remind myself and I want to read that shitty fourth one again. Because <laughs> I don't even remember how it ends. I just remember it being crappy. 
Anyway, chapter nine is called Didwing. 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 I can't even say it properly. Didwing. Didwing. I don't know. So we're back with Colleen and Sekiro, who have been traveling through many modes as well. They managed to avoid most dangers due to Sekiro's amazing mind power because he can, uh, I mean, God, he can like influence creatures to do what he wants. Mm -hmm. He can sense danger and intelligent life ahead of them. Mm -hmm. He's just a good companion. He's, yep. Invaluable. Invaluable. But we also learned that Sekiro's intelligence depends on the human's mind that he's linked to. I really liked this concept a lot. It made me appreciate their relationship more. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, it sort of does me too, but then all... I I was kind of disappointed, I feel. Because, so basically, without Colleen's mind, he's a stupid horse. He just has horse intelligence. Mm -hmm. But he still has the, the psychic ability. But he just can't tap into it because he doesn't have the intelligence of a smarter mind to play off of, I guess. Colleen kind of like likens it to now she feels like she's talking to herself. Right. Because he is her. (laughs) And she is him. (laughs) They complete one another. They do complete one another, okay. But I mean, I guess I'd be a little disappointed. I'm like, oh, so oh, I'm you're just not talking a, to myself. Yeah, you're you're just, it's like you're not, you're not real. a magical horse. Like, like you're not uh, actually real. I mean, he's still uh, magical. He's still telepathic. He is. He just has no intelligence on his own. But it's kind of cool. But okay. I feel like he magnifies hers, though. Well, she like, does he, say he that take, he takes what she has, but then he's able to magnify understand all of it. Yeah. Unlike, well, same with the whole like physical thing where he was like, able to make her like attack something. Like she was always capable of doing that, but she just couldn't tap into it because her mind held her back. Right. And so he's able to pretty much take her mind and see all the whole of it. Sure. What a nice thing to have is like a therapist, man. <laughs> he would make can a good therapist. Can you be therapist. my therapist? Well, he Carol? kind of is her therapist because <laughs> you can see the whole picture, and with a depressed mind. You- you get focused on things. I mean, that don't you don't feel like he, he's already doing that? Oh yeah, he's just <laughs> he's he's giving her okay. plenty of therapy. <laughs> Pretty sure there's more of it in this chapter too. They enter an area that appears to be an endless wasteland, but they have no choice but to cross it. Mm-hmm. They have a philosophical conversation that I'm sure comes into play, but I don't, later. But I don't remember. What was the philosophical? I don't even remember. That's just what I wrote. What? They Ugh. they have some kind of. I know you like that shit. Here, I know, right? and I don't... The only thing I said, oh my God, this better not be an Artax thing. Because at one point, I'm like, please do not tell me that this horse has to sacrifice himself for her. I mean, that can happen in, in you know, sequential books. That's fine, but I don't want to read about it right now. Well, it, that's not what happens. You're good. okay. Oh, good. We're talking about the, the pacifist dilemma. Oh, yeah. Did you I like did that? I did like yeah, that. I didn't. I and just, I'm like, oh my gosh, that's me. That's absolutely me. There are times where I can really connect with Colleen and then the other times I can't. But she did mention, was it in this chapter? No, it's not in this chapter. I'll wait. So, Um, yeah, I skipped, kind of skimmed over the whole pacifist dilemma crap. I'm just like, oh, yeah, all right, whatever. It just, it literally has nothing to do. Well, that's why I wrote, it probably comes into play later. Because it's probably like later in the books where she's like, oh, this is the pacifist dilemma all over again or some shit. She has to make some decision. Right. That's It's going to come into play later. Kind of like, do you kill one for all? Yes. Or? Which they, I guess they sort of do have that in this book. But whatever. Yeah. I'm getting ahead of myself. Yeah. 
Anyway, I just kind of skimmed over all that. They also have more talk about her like depressive nature and stuff like that too. Yeah, the only actually the only quote I put in here was, "I want him to want me every which way to Sunday." I loved that <laughs> quote. Like, what? I loved it. <laughs> oh my god! I think that's adorable. You think that's adorable? I'm like, oh my she god. She loves girl. him and she she wants him to love her for her mind and her body and her personality and everything. <laughs> I think that's a natural feeling. Oh, see, I took that sentence as purely sexual. Oh, no. Because, uh, like, right before then, they're talking about... They're talking what about they talk? other things. <laughs> I can't even remember now. Yes, you will know his mind, Sekiro. You must let me know whether it's really him and how he truly feels about me. I'm not going to marry him. I know that. But I'm willing to be his mistress and helper if I just know he loves me. I will inform you of his feelings for you if you don't object to my intrusion into your private matters. Understand that I will be partial to his sexual sentiment as well as his emotion. Yeah. And then she says, I understand. I want him to want me every which way from Sunday just as long as he loves me. I think that means that she <laughs> He's wants... He's talking about sex! Well, yeah, but I think she's saying that she wants him to want her sexually as well as love okay. her and want her emotionally and mentally and everything else she's like yeah sex is part of that i want him to want me always <laughs> oh okay that's how i, I, read, I it. read it as a very well, sexual you know, sentence it is so. pierce anthony so you're probably <laughs> no, correct but no. i chose to i could read it. google it but do i want that on my history i don't know <laughs> <laughs> there's plenty of worse things you could put on your history True. they travel and they finally reach what they realize is a huge dried up ocean and Colleen kind of realizes that it's unnatural. Uh, I think the quote was, a continent could be a natural desert, but an ocean could only be an unnatural desert. I would feel very unsettled well, they walking do. through that. Yeah, They do, especially because they find um, a beacon, which was clearly put by a person. And that's oh, what that is. is. That oh. I think that's what that is on, on the, the cover. cover. Did they describe it with, like, cool dragons and they stuff? They didn't say cool dragons, but they said a red arrow and an orb. But no well, dragons. shit. So I was like, oh, that's what it is. So on the front that of the cover. That makes sense. See, that looks way, this is way more magical looking than than I imagined it. They mentioned, mentioned it being science-y. Yeah. This is not science-y. No, it's not. This is magical. And she's standing in Darius's <laughs> world. Whatever. Who, who knows? It's I, still a I nice don't, cover, but. I don't know the process of. But yeah, you're right. That's exactly what that is. So they find a beacon. And it's pointing a way out of the wasteland, they assume. That's right. what they assume. I mean, their best ch I feel like their only well, option yeah. is to follow it. Because they're also kind of concerned because they may be in, like, wasteland ocean now, but there could be ocean in the next yeah. land, that, and then they'd be, like, stuck. That would be terrifying. Not yeah. only would she drown, but she would be suffocated. I mean, like, the pressure. The pressure would, like, crush them. Yeah. So eventually she, she starts, like, flicking her, like, scarf ahead of her <laughs> so she can see if it's wet or whatever so they don't, you know, just dive into an ocean. So they continue on following the beacon. Eventually they do come across water. They realize they can't even cross through, though, because the pressure makes it so that it's like a wall, a solid wall. Right. So they, I guess they don't have to worry about being crushed because they can't even get in. Yeah. Um, so they have to find an island. And they do, and there's some drama there. And this long, ar yeah. long, arduous thing. Yep. We do get to see, they split up for a short time, and we get to see what happens when Sekiro is on his own. He reverts back to dumb horse. Oh, that's right. He got spooked. Yeah. He got scared because he got stuck. Yeah. And so he, like, expended all his energy running around in a circle <laughs> like a horse Aww, does. Oh, poor Sekiro. I know. I kind of feel sorry for him. But they finally get to the island, and they climb on top. 
They're surrounded by ocean, but there is another beacon, which makes them think they're going the right way. And then eventually they find a bridge that was also clearly put there by a person who is leading them somewhere. That's right. So there's this whole, like, trepidatious, should we? But what other option do we have? Yeah, Colleen is smart. She knows that this could be something that is not good because she's suspicious of the fact that someone would try really hard to get them to go where... Yeah, they her want quote was, go. someone has gone to an awful lot of trouble to show us in. Yes. Um, but they are relying now on Sekiro reading the minds of whoever they come across mm-hmm. to see what their intentions are. So they continue on, hoping they'll be okay. They have a nice conversation about Colleen's feelings, and then they go to sleep. <laughs> yeah. I mean, uh, there's a lot of that. There is. Character building, I guess. I love I'm Colleen. I'm fine with reading the character building. I am too, but it's just it's pointless for me to go through it. Oh, it's, yeah, yeah. It's more just him, Sekiro, being her therapist. Yes. They wake. They cross the bridge. There are more paths leading them. Sekiro does sense intelligent minds, but he cannot tell if they're friendly. They proceed with caution, deciding that they're just going to pretend like Sekiro's a regular horse. Smart. Yeah. Because you never know who You never know. Do. Yeah. You're just a regular dumb horse. You're just my horse companion. Nothing more. Because really, Sekiro has all the power here. Like, yeah, he's he the one that's going to stun them or right, he does. whatever. He can, he can yeah, what can manipulate she really them. Do? And, I mean, all she, she provides intelligence, so he can do it. Yes. But. Good, good team. Yes. Finally, they happen upon... Well, it's actually kind of strange. I have to mention that, like, suddenly they're in a palace. Which is... I thought that was so weird, too. Yeah, because most modes just, like, change gradually. And this one is changing rapidly. Well, even that, it's just, like, when you walk into a palace, I I guess I'm more surprised at the fact that, like, I thought someone would walk up to them and say, greetings, would you... My master wants to see you. It's like, boop, here you go. Right in the palace. Yep, abruptly. Yeah. Abruptly. And there's a man there. He's dressed in fancy clothes, about 50, has red hair. I imagine him looking like some kind of leprechaun. I do too. <laughs> she said something. Oh, what was the description about him? Something about being stoutish rather than fat? Yeah. Or yeah, something like, like that. Yeah, like a leprechaun with red hair. Yeah. And his name is Didwing. 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 And he lives in the Duoan mode. There you go. I didn't know how to pronounce that one. They. She says it. I know, but. Duoan. And uh, that's that's where he's from. That's his earth. Colleen basically greets herself by saying, you know, hey, we're passing through. We're just going to stay the night and leave in the morning. They are able to understand each other because they have a little translator ball, Mm -hmm. which is great. It's really cool. I want one. (laughs) That would be nice to have. Very convenient. Why do we not have that yet? (laughs) They're working on it. Because we spend more time reading about them and (laughs) watching it in our entertainment than actually having it making it happen i mean they're sort of working on that kind of stuff but i mean isn't there like an app that's supposed to do it i've never tested it i think there is but yeah i haven't yeah. tested it either i, I don't imagine. know how good it is but i'm yeah. I'm skeptical exactly anyway this one's really good yes and it is, is able to like listen and like and learn learn which is kind of cool also scary i guess it picked up really fast yeah well, they've already kind of learned that this place that they're in is, like, super science right. to the extreme from seeing, like, the uh, the beacon and then, like, the weird bridge thing was also kind of techy and now this. So they're definitely not in a magical type land. So they take her and Sekiro in. Colleen is clean and dressed by humanoid sheep servants called gonna Nulls. Say, are you going to mention the magical animals? But they're not really magical. No, they're, they're, they're androids. androids. That oh. are made from leftover human genetic material, uh, which is Creepy. creepy. 
I mean, the entire null thing is creepy. It's so creepy. So essentially, I mean, they talk about it later, but I could explain it now. They have human heads. No, or, human no, bodies. No, human bodies, animal heads, mm-hmm. which I imagine being real grotesque. And they try to explain it in such a way that they're like, it seems like it'd be grotesque, but it's really not. And no, I'm like, it is. bullshit, it is. It's freaky. Really freaky. Yeah. And... Each, like, there's three versions. There's, like, the male version, the female version, and the neutral version. And, of course, they're the most stereotypical things ever. You know, the man's there for violence, and the woman's there for sex, and the neutral one is the one that gives you all the intelligence. Well, maybe Piers Anthony was thinking as far as, like, the animal kingdom. That's what... Okay, I guess. <laughs> but then I'm like, these are high science minded yes. people. Why would they revert to something Apparently so basic in every like mode, that? I don't know. In every mode, they think with their dicks. <laughs> it doesn't matter where you are. Well, that's because all the men are the ones in power in these modes, right? Yeah. They we wouldn't ha- have it any other way. I can go ahead and spoil it. The, the <laughs> no, end. don't spoil it. Oh, okay. Never mind. <laughs> You're not going to read the other books. Well, I may read the second one. Okay. I own it. Do you want to borrow it? Yes. Okay. All right. Anyway. All right, well, then I won't. I won't Don't. spoil it. Although the next one's going to end in a cliffhanger. Okay. <laughs> so, okay. So she's cleaned and dressed by humanoid sheep servants. After after all that, she's brought to a fancy dinner with Didwing. And all the while, she's super suspicious of him, as she should be. May I interrupt for a moment? Sure. I really wanted to know what her dress looked like. It Did they re- not describe it? No. I, I was like they so described later dresses. They did, but they did not describe this one. They no. described how she looked in it. Yeah. And some of her jewelry choices. Yeah. But they did not describe this dress. And I really wanted to know what it looked like. It's supposed to be very pretty. Yes. And magical looking, even though this, they're science like, can, can can they make another cover of her in the dress? Yeah, I know. Later, they do, I feel like they do describe. There's one where she's wearing like a brown a dress. A brown dress. But brown. like, they imagine it, they explain it in such a way that it's like, more lustrous than brown because they're like it matches, it matches her, her hair, hair but somehow they glow <laughs> like i don't know something like that there is a little bit of description yeah. about the dress but not enough to satiate my high school inner girl but we know exactly what her boobs look like <laughs> yeah. so no worries there oh thank god we've got that description because that's I really what i really know. wanted to know i need to know how much boob she's showing in this dress okay <laughs> i need to know <laughs> so there's a lot of fun descriptions of his world uh, through bits and pieces. There's like instant mouthwash that like cleans their teeth instantly. <laughs> There's like a beverage that tastes like chocolate and beer, beer. mixed together. But it's not alcoholic. Supposedly. Not alcoholic. And there's like a fountain that the water changes colors, but not through light. It's just kind of cool. So there's a bunch of little things in there that are world building, but not long, huge descriptions. This time they sprinkle it throughout, which is how they should do it, I think. After dinner, they have a conversation. Colleen asks him why he went to all the trouble to set up the paths. And I'm actually really surprised that he told her his intentions. I totally thought it was going to be a marriage thing. I'm like, yeah. oh my God, well, she she's going to marry him. No, Ugh. she did too. Um, he is not interested in her that way. He says that in addition to assisting mode travelers through the wasteland, that's why he set up the paths, but he also wants to meet them to find out where the chip is located. And the chip is what Darius has that, that allowed them the to create mode. the virtual yeah. mode. So he wants to be able to open and close the virtual mode himself. Colleen uh, plays along telling him that it's not her, but Darius that has the chip. I'm kind of surprised she gave up all that information, but. Um, yeah. But I think Sekiro was, was Sekiro helping her through this whole conversation? No, she was on her own. Oh. 
He was like put in the stable. Oh yeah, he was asleep. I think maybe he was asleep at the time or something. Yeah, they like put him somewhere else in the stable. They were like far enough away that they couldn't talk. But have you considered that if you were traveling towards his reality and he is traveling towards yours, you may pass each other without meeting? See, she started and then caught herself. She didn't want him to know that the horse could pick up Darius's mind when he came within several realities. Seems I didn't think of that. Gee, I hope I haven't already missed him. Didwing smiled again, satisfied about her naivete. The ball spoke again. I am sure you have not, because he has not passed through this reality, which seems to be in between his and yours. But maybe he went through a corner of it and you didn't see him. That is unlikely. The void realities are extensive and difficult to pass. He should have intercepted one of our paths and followed it here as you did. That did make sense. She saw now where Didwing was leading, so she set him up for it. But how will I know which path he's coming in on? I mean, if I go out tomorrow... Readily solved. You will simply wait here for him and be reunited here. This will surely be best in any event, because we have excellent facilities, and he may be tired from the struggle with the void realities. Gee, that's nice of you. She exclaimed happily, but inside she was not at all sanguine. This person had gone to an extraordinary amount of trouble to make long paths, and she doubted that he was doing it from sheer niceness. He wanted the chip, as he said, and that meant he needed Darius to lead him to the reality where the chip was. But that chip was the potential source of almost unimaginable power. What would Didwing do once he had it? She wished she could think of a way to see that Didwing didn't get it. But if she made any suspicious move, she was now afraid that she would proceed from the status of guest to that of prisoner. She would have to wait until Darius came and then warn him not to tell where his reality was. Maybe they could head back to hers until they got free of Didwing, then cross his region somewhere else, or start towards his reality and turn aside. There were surely ways and ways she could just warn him without alerting Didwing. So now they're in a predicament. Because this guy uh, clearly wants control over the modes. modes. yeah. But we don't know anything about him. Mm-mm. So but anybody he, that wants that much power, come on. They're not, they're not doing it for good stuff. I mean, we don't know how Darius's mode came into it to begin with. He just says that they've had it for thousands of years. That's true. But somebody wanted that power once upon a time, but we don't really consider his people evil. Yeah, that's true. I don't know. They seem to have a balance of they because ha- they have several kings. Maybe I feel like it's more balanced there, but I don't know. Maybe well, Didwing is Colleen doesn't of, trust him, yeah. so we don't trust no. him yes. because we know nothing about him. Yeah, but she doesn't trust him, therefore we're not supposed to trust him. Yes, that's all we need to know. <laughs> uh, and she's thinking a lot about the future. I don't know if if I were fourteen, I don't think I would have. The force. I mean, like she's already. The gears are turning. She's thinking about. She's an exceptional. Trying to figure out how to get out of this. Yeah. I'll probably be like, I have no idea. Part of the reason why I love her so much is she's so smart and capable and independent. Mm-hmm. Because she's everything I wanted to be at yeah. her age, uh, other than the depressive part. Part. Yeah. But I looked up to her as a as a teen, reading this, being like, man, I wish I could be as smart and you know fearless fearless yeah and just be able to like solve any problem mm-hmm. and she just doesn't even care she's just like this guy's dangerous he might kill or rape me but you know what here i am let's <laughs> I'm do gonna this figure this out <laughs> i'm gonna figure this out yeah i really admired her growing up so i feel kind of the same now because i'm still not very smart chapter 10 is called captain darius and provost have now entered the barren wasteland too 
whoop, yep, we, that didn't take long. There no. wasn't some really long description about it. It's like, boop, they were there. Yeah. Well, we've already read it. Why would we read it a second time? <sighs> I don't know. They Just, they went to all the trouble of showing the difficulties of uh, Sekiro and Colleen getting through there that if they had done the same with Darius, I would have been so, so annoyed. Mad. <laughs> like, I actually feel like they still spent too much time, like, on it. Like, I feel like they could have skipped the whole, like, oh, there's a path. Oh. oh yeah. Like, because they talk about, like, how the temperatures rise and fall really abruptly. Yes. And they have to deal with that. I don't know. Like, they could have skipped all that. They got through it. They found the path. They got through it. And now they're in the palace of Didwing, abruptly, just as Colleen and Sekiro got there. So when Darius arrives, he's greeted by Colleen, who whispers, beware, in his ear, just as Didwing approaches. So I was kind of surprised that Colleen and Darius's first encounter after uh, was so, like, abrupt. Yeah. It I was real kind disappointed, of, too. I was kind of t- I was, too. It's like, what the hell? Well, like, they're kind of, like, in the presence of another person. I know, but still. There should have been just, more of, like, a tearful, like, oh, my God, I'm so glad yes, you made it. He's, yes. It's more like he's like, oh, hey, Colleen. I oh, guess, who's this? I guess I feel like if you're going to spend, if you're going to spend so much time and detail about all these other things, and then you bring up what I feel is the most important yes, part, yes. the romance, yeah. and it's just a boop, there you go. This is not a romance novel. Well, <laughs> it could be, and it should be. It should be. I remember being disappointed as a kid, too, uh, reading it and feeling like most of their romantic scenes were always lacking. Mm. And it's just because Piers Anthony's not a romance author. That's not what he does. Like, none of his books are romantic. But he has to have a romantic element in them? I guess. But to him, that's not the important part, even though the Ugh. only reason they're going on this journey is it's for, for, romance. for romance. I know. All right. Anyway, sorry. not everyone can write romance. <laughs> yeah. Apparently, he would rather describe the landscape <laughs> for pages and pages <laughs> than give us a nice, heartwarming reunion scene that we've waited the whole oh, book, book to get to. I know. <laughs> I know. It's really upsetting, That's but okay. that we get what we get. Uh, Didwing approaches while they're embracing. He greets Darius using Colleen's language, and I guess Darius speaks enough of it that it's okay. Like, I still imagine him not know. speaking that language very well. Yeah. And the translation ball would probably be like, what, 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 <laughs> what, what language are you speaking? But whatever, I guess it's not a problem. Provost mutters, this is not good, in his language, which puts Darius on extra alert. Yeah. Because obviously she sees something. Yes. Didwing asks to speak to Darius in private. And he is far less nice to him as he was to Colleen when they met. And he pretty much is, like, demanding Darius take him to his home mode to get the chip. Like, done. He's not beating no. around the bush about this stuff. He's like, no, you're doing this. <laughs> uh, obviously, Darius is hesitant, saying he'll think about it. But Didwing tells him that he plans to keep Colleen hostage. And? And harvest her uh, baby-making organs. Oh, my God. Her ovaries. And? And lobotomize her. And make her a concubine. Oh, yeah, yeah. The concubine part's not that important. Well, I'm just saying, like... I mean, it is. Yes. He's going to take out her ovaries, <laughs> yeah. make her a concubine. Yeah. If she doesn't if she agree to any of that, they're going to lobotomize, lobotomize her to, make to her the docile. point that she does. Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah, so I guess they want her uh, ovaries because they, are, they have... L- limited genetic material and they're all inbred yes gross but <laughs> I, I mean laugh at that but I, they explain what later what, once again i think i can explain it now because it's fine they explain later that basically like i don't know thousands of years ago their planet or yeah duo on destroyed 
every surrounding mode for reasons that I'm really not that sure about. I may have skimmed that part. <laughs> I actually read it over a couple times and still didn't quite get it. What? Uh, I, don't, I don't think I marked where the sentence, the paragraph is, but I kind of didn't understand why. And maybe they don't know why, because it was thousands of years ago. But it had something to do with them wanting to conquer everything. And the surrounding modes were being obviously not cooperative. Right. So they... And they're fighting to survive? Yeah. <laughs> they blasted them out of existence, but now they're, like, confined to this very small area, which means they must have gotten... They must have been able to travel the modes before. Yes. But they don't explain how. Or maybe they did. I think they did. I think... I can't remember. Yeah. Event... I skimmed some of that. Yeah. They they were allowed to travel, but they've been confined. That's kind of like punishment. Also, like, okay, we know what you guys are capable of and what you think you are allowed. Right. And we're not going to allow that anymore. Exactly. So they have a limited genetic pool because... Because they can't get anything from outside. Because... I don't know. And I I think, too, there's... They they've well, destroyed some of their own people or, too, or like they uh, care they care about like good genes. Yeah. So I guess they've tried to like breed out. They well they know they've said that they bre- they've bred out disease and a lot mm-hmm. of other things, and so they have a limited now they've got a limited stock of that because they're I, I don't know I guess they kill those people that are diseased or whatever I don't know they just you just breed them out and then when yeah. you start inbreeding then then more genetic things start to pop yeah. up and so yeah. Uh, I don't know. Now a they lot can about get genetics. some human DNA. Yeah, they need some more, but that's also part of the reason why he wants the mode travel, so he can get that. But anyway, I, th- I mean, th- I think they share that information much later. So at this point, Darius doesn't really know his motivations that strongly, right? So he's kind of just like going along with it. But whatever, he knows that they're gonna destroy Colleen if he doesn't do what he wants. So that's enough motivation. For yeah, him. there's really no choice there. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, but he does kind of go back and forth. Well, about yeah. It. I guess it's the pacifist dilemma. Oh, right. Then that's where it comes back in. So on top of all this, uh, Didwing also demands that Darius perform a task to him. Basically, I know. Basically to see if he performs it well. Is that what it is? Because I don't understand it. That's what he says. So he's like, I need you to do a task for me, and your performance on this task will determine your status when this is all over. I Who think cares? What, he wants to go back to his yeah, own but reality. I think, think Didwing thinks that he won't. I think he... Because he keeps offering Darius, like, you know, an officer's Mr. position. Yeah. Like he would want to stay here. Why? Yeah. I don't no. know. Maybe he thinks his, like, pla- Dude, his place is I'm amazing. A, I'm a king. Wants to stay. Did, he even, did he tell him? No. Like, in my reality, I'm a king. He doesn't so. know anything about that. <laughs> as far as I know, he doesn't know. So he's ushered off to his, this task immediately. Yeah. And <laughs> like they're I like, said, no time. Here you go. I don't understand. He's like, I don't know you, but okay, here's this task you're going to do. They allow Provost to join him at his request. The mission takes place on a spaceship, which Darius is like, bl- his mind is blown because. Oh, yeah, he's never seen one. No, he, he doesn't even know about space in, yeah. his, in his world. So he. Uh, <laughs> I'm just going to go through my notes and hear it. I mean, this is another part where it's just like long and kind of stupid, but I, I wrote bullet points to kind of flow through. I feel it. like maybe this was a dream Piers Anthony had. <laughs> <laughs> and he just wanted to put it in the book. Yeah. I feel like it's out of place. A little bit. I and think I just, so, too. It's just so abrupt. Like I said, I guess it's more of like, well, it's more things filler. don't seem 
things don't seem balanced. If you spend so much time describing all these things that I feel like don't really matter, yes, you want to build a world, but you spend so much time on this and then boop, all of a sudden yep. we're on a ship and hello, yep. we're on some space mission. Yep. I don't know. Anyway, sorry. <laughs> I, I remember thinking the same thing when I was young. I was like, what? What is going on here? <laughs> Suddenly we're in space and we're doing a space mission. Um, the mission is essentially that there's like another planet of snail creatures. How does Darius know what snails are? Maybe they have snails in his place. Okay. They, I mean, they didn't say they didn't. No, but I'm like, how does he know what a snail is? Maybe snails exist in his world, too. I don't know. I just, they're sentient snails. <laughs> you know, some intelligent snails, I intelligent guess, because all snails are sentient. Intelligent mm-hmm. snails um, that are being wreaked, their planet's being wreaked havoc by a monster. That's mm-hmm. all we know. So Darius goes on the ship. He's got three cat servants that they describe in detail. What are their names? Tom, Cat, and Pussy. <laughs> this is why I'm like, this was totally Piers Anthony's dream. Yes. He totally had a dream. Yes. <laughs> where he wanted subservient Cat. androids that would have sex with him. Not only will they, they have, have to. to. They <laughs> have to or they die. Yes. If Darius does not give them one task per day, they suffer. And at three days of suffering they're means dead. they're dead. <laughs> And the the female one, her only tasks are of a sexual nature. Now, now, <laughs> she can provide him emotional support, and that does suffice as a service. Okay, cool. But there that's are all females. But are there good are for. but there are things that are considered part of her like duties, her normal duties, like dressing him is yeah. a normal duty. Yeah, so but that doesn't that count didn't as the count task. as the task. No. And he was hoping it would. No, it's got to be sex, massage, or <laughs> therapy. I guess. <laughs> Let me cry on your bosom. That's your task. And for she the has day. this amazing ability to disrobe herself like instantaneously. <laughs> this is some anime stuff. It really <laughs> is. This is a fanboy's dream. As a teenager, I'm yeah, like, yeah. How uh, did you respond to all this? Did you think it was weird, wacky, yes. or kind of like, okay, I mean, we are in an alternate reality, so anything goes. I wasn't turned off by it, obviously, <laughs> but I was still kind of just like, I, I think I told you earlier that I skimmed a lot of this chapter. Oh, okay. Because it, <laughs> it was just, space, and you're like... I don't like space no. stuff, first. <laughs> Secondly, the whole, I mean, the concept of the nulls is interesting, but I think it's ridiculous. It's not realistic. And the, null, the nulls are the servants. The, yeah. The animal, humanoid. Yes. Humanoid cat Hybrids. Things. Yeah. They're, it's ridiculous. It's ridiculous <laughs> and it's over the top and it's... How old were you when you read this again? 14, maybe. Okay. I think if I would have read this when I were 14, I, I don't know if I would have finished it. Now, if I had read this when I was like... Um, a junior or a senior in high school, I think I've been a, I would have been cool with it, but I was still a little bit prudish uh, at fourteen. Not me. I was not. So when the it sex came, part when, when it came me. when it came to like movies and and literature and media, yeah, I was still a little bit prudish. I feel like I was really getting into this sex stuff then, and so probably I loved it because I was like any yeah. mention of sex, and I was like, yeah, have sex with that cat feline android you do it and then i was probably like disappointed that they didn't because of course darius is a man of his honor and he won't have sex with it no 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 that's not why that's not why well 
We'll get there. But I was probably, you know, thinking back, I was probably super into it. Yeah. I know I, like, could not wait for Colleen and Darius to do it. I was so... <laughs> and, I mean, you were probably like, this guy's going to describe it in detail, too. I, yeah, he probably wouldn't. Well, he would have, but it probably would have been super clinical. <laughs> it wouldn't be, like, romantic. No. I don't think I had discovered, like, good romance novels back then, and so I was just, like, into whatever I could get. Well, I can't imagine... I. I feel like it'd be easier to be in the science fiction or fantasy section and yeah. find something that has romantic elements about it rather than being a 14-year-old at Barnes & Noble, like, picking up a romance novel yeah. in the romance section. I don't know. Maybe it was easy as far as, like, do people say anything to people when they do that? I don't know. My mom brought this book home for me. <laughs> I didn't even buy it. So who knows? I don't know. But Does she know about pussy in the book? No, she, she, she doesn't know anything. And she didn't know then either. I mean, I don't think she would have, like, taken the book away from me or anything. But... I was. I don't think she knew that there was all this sex stuff Cat in here. Androids. Cat android sex. <laughs> oh my goodness. Anyway, so yeah, there's a lot of that. Um. <laughs> oh, yeah, one of the things that actually disturbed me the most about it was um, Piers Anthony talks about the gnolls sitting down. Oh yeah, like cats. <laughs> like cats. Like with their have... limbs, but they have human <laughs> limbs. How does that work? <laughs> I don't even know how that's possible. A human body looking like a little loaf and a cat head. I don't, I'm like, that sounds creepy as hell. You want to try to do it, see if you can do it? (laughs) No. No. Could I do it? I don't think so. Our limbs don't bend that way. Maybe we'll put it on like our Instagram stories. We're trying to like sit like that. Here I am trying to sit like a, like a cat and all. This is me. So creepy. No, you're right. That was really creepy. Yeah. Sorry, those are basically all no, my notes I mean, from that's, this chapter. That's fine. I mean, I'm not going into detail about the whole space mission thing, but during this, Colleen and Darius speak over some kind of like TV projector Spacey communication thing. device. She pleads with him not to give dude doing the chip, even if it means leaving her behind. Darius is like, oh, she doesn't know what's going to happen right. if he refuses. So he's just like, sure, dear, but you know. Well, I don't think he says one way or another. He's I think, just, I'll think about it. I'll think, I gotta think about it. Colleen mentions Prima's name in their conversation, and that night he's, like, confused about it. He's like, how could she have known? She, I didn't tell her. And yeah, he hasn't he, told anybody about no, it. No, but he assumes that maybe Provost read it from his previous conversations and maybe told her, and he's, like, satisfied with that, and he goes to bed. But yeah. I'm like, nah. no. I mean, being that we know things, you have to assume it's Kiro. Right. Right. But anyway, he awakes, has breakfast with Provost, who tells him that A, he'll be giving the did he'll be giving Didwing the chip. B, he will kill the monster. And C, um, he will be making use of pussy. Oh no! And Colleen will not like it. Oh no! And she says this all so casually over breakfast, yeah. it's kinda hilarious. I mean, it's gonna happen. But so. she disapproves of him. She gives him a look of disapproval that he's going to cheat on Colleen yeah. with an android. So apparently in her world, at least, th- that's not normal. Everyone keeps trying to tell him in this world, like, that's normal. normal. Like, everyone's like, no, you don't androids. understand. Yeah. In Colleen's world, it's, it's normal not in Darius's world, too. Yeah. Not for androids, but they don't treat sex like a sacred thing. Darius is burdened now with finding tasks for his nulls. Um, so he tells Tom to try to contact Colleen. Colleen again, and he asks Pussy to give him a massage, <laughs> which turns into a naked massage. 
which turned, turned into, into them almost banging. <laughs> which, of course, Colleen calls him on the TV screen at that very moment and so sees, she sees it. Everything. She sees it and she's mad, and he's like, "I don't know what have I done." But yeah. then again, like you knew you were going to do it. You kind of—I mean, it was foretold. So yeah. how can guess, you fight that? I don't, I don't know. know. So he's left feeling guilty. Darius finally arrives at Snail Planet to defeat the monster. It turns out to be a telepathic boy. You know, since Darius has lots of experience with mind emotions, he's able to defeat it or to resist his attacks. Right. But the boy actually kills himself with the pain dial, so it's kind of anticlimactic. Oh, yeah. yeah, there is a pain dial. Right. That's Is that what they use for the nulls as punishment? Yes. Okay. So, so if they don't do their service for the day... They use a pain dial. Right. And it's got, what, like 10, 10 notches? And so it can be tuned to different people so that, like, you know, it can be tuned so that it won't affect me, but it'll affect everyone else in the room. Mm-hmm. And basically you can turn it on and off to do pain to Different people. levels. And- yeah. And that's how they torture people in this world. But he tries to use it on the lowest setting to get the boy to cooperate and come with him. But uh, somehow... The boy gets a hold of it and turns it all the way up, but doesn't realize that it's... Attuned to him. It's attuned to him, and it kills him. Yeah. Anticlimactic. Well, actually, it's attuned to everybody around him, right? Yeah, because... Right, but except for Darius. Yeah, because... So Darius doesn't get killed. Darius is fine. The nulls are fine. Tom is not. Well, they pass out. Right? They're not no, dead. Are you sure? I don't think they're dead. They were just passed out. So it doesn't matter, because Darius returns to the ship as success, and everyone's like, yay, Darius! Much rejoicing, hurrah! He is immediately connected to Colleen, who has now changed her tune and is now begging him to give the chip. So first she was like, don't do it. Now she's saying, do it. Uh, So something has changed. What happened? We don't know. Not yet. Uh, Darius then decides to speak to Didwing and tells him that he concedes. Today I'm in your mode, sir, in your power. Darius said. In my mode, the power will be ours. I will guide you there, but the chip is not mine to give. I will introduce you to the king of power, who may elect instead to kill you. You must let Colleen and her horse and provost and me into the virtual mode, and we shall do you no harm there. This is the deal I proffer. Agreed. Darius stared at the man. No bargaining? You will risk yourself this way? You are a man of honor. You will advise me on the appropriate manner to approach your official. It is enough. A man of honor? How can you know that? It is not only your words and actions we have watched. We know the physical and brainwave patterns of deceit. You have, at times, withheld information, but you have not given false information. You are to be trusted. And after I possess the chip, you will be given a ranking position in the Empire, if you wish it. You cannot trust a person whose cooperation has been obtained under distress. That depends on the man. Now relax, Captain Darius. Your mission has been accomplished, and you will return to Earth. Didwing faded out. So it was done. Darius did not feel uplifted. He had done it to save Colleen. I mean, he's had Provost tell him that he's going to give him the chip. Got to give it to him, yeah. And Darius is an honorable man, and he's a man of his word. So if he's promised it, he's going to do it. Right. And this mission that he was sent on was clearly just a test to see if he was a trustworthy person. Pretty much. Oh, that's what it was? Okay. I mean, at the beginning, I think, like, uh, he talks to one of his servants. And, and they he, give him, like, three different reasons. Yeah, there's a bunch of different and, yeah. reasons. And they're probably all of them. Yeah. It's probably all of them. Um, but really, it's a test. Because on this mission, he could see how Darius acts, how he behaves in 
battle. I don't know, but like end in the bedroom, end in the bedroom, <laughs> and everything else. So whatever. He's been watched this entire time. Diddwings decided that he's trustworthy. The end. And he is because he's a he's a good guy, kind of an honorable chode. Yeah, chode. Because come on, <laughs> this guy's evil. Oh wait. Oh, you're saying yeah, Diddwing. Yeah. 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 But he's like, no, I promised, and I'm gonna do. It. Yes. Well, I I feel like he's pretty. Maybe not straightforward. Uh, no, he's definitely straightforward. Yeah, he says like what he means keep... and he does what well, he says. Well, he, he didn't tell Colleen about the lobotomy. Withholding information is different than okay. like lying but as far as and being deceitful. Like, yes, he doesn't. I feel like he just doesn't need to waste any time. For him, it's say it, do it, done. Yeah, yeah that's how he works. That's not how Colleen works. Uh, no, <laughs> I love her. Chapter eleven is called Consort. So back with Colleen, we get a little insight on her side of the story. She originally begged Darius not to give Didwing the chip, chip as sort of a test for Didwing because she wanted to see how he would react to her disobedience, I guess. Yeah. Um, but he didn't do anything because probably just like with Darius, he's using this time to observe her, read her brainwave patterns, as it were. And we all know Colleen is very deceitful. <laughs> So resourceful. Yeah, sure. Um, Colleen's smart, though. She knows that she's being surveilled. And she is busy hatching a plan with Sekiro to find out Didwing's real motives. She, uh, Sekiro has difficulties touching the minds of the people in this reality. And it's kind of interesting because he describes it in that they are so science-minded that they have closed off their minds to anything supernatural, what right. they deem to be supernatural. Right. Which makes their minds hard to penetrate. Mm -hmm. So, and that is why you can't see ghosts. Maybe, <laughs> but see, I want it to be true. I feel like that's different. I'm open-minded. Come at Are me, you? ghosts. Are you? I want it to be true. They don't want it to be true, or they they want to refuse that anything like that is real. Yes, which is why they couldn't deal with the boy psychic boy monster. Oh yeah, they had no idea how to yeah. handle that because they. I don't know if I know how to handle a seven-year-old. Oh, with a God. tantrum. <laughs> Seriously, that's really what it was. A seven-year-old having a tantrum who just obviously... Taking it out of poor, innocent little snails. I know, poor snails. <laughs> and then, you know, just having the psychic ability to destroy people. Great. It's like a Yikes. lethal combination. Yeah. Well, so, so yeah. Because of this, Sekiro can't really touch their minds, but he feels like maybe he could if he gets Colleen to open him up a little bit more. Right. And that's what they do. So they have this wonderful, like, sting operation where he's, like, talking into her mic. Yep, pretty much. Well, in her mind, but yeah. same kind of thing. She has dinner with him. She attempts to grill him for information. Um, he's got a freaking mission for her, too. See, what are with these missions? Why does he need... And this why one was even less interesting than Dan's. Why does he need her to do this mission? She says it was for a test as well, to see how she reacts to things. He's, she, I think care. she said that she wanted to see if he, if she was resourceful and smart enough to have her genes being worthy of being added to their gene pool. That's what she says. But it seems very complicated. It does. And, and I'm kind of like, do you really care at this point? She's yeah. an outsider. All of your people are like inbred. Just, But they don't want disease and stupid oh, people. Oh, yeah, that's right. That's right. But the, there's also a secondary reason in that uh, he's basically using her in some kind of political scheme. Right. You know, he wants her to do something that he can't as king. That's essentially what it is. I don't even know that it's worth going over it because <laughs> it's it's really not that interesting. But 
during this conversation um, that she's having with Didwing, Sekiro does read the whole lobotomy thing. That's right. That's when she finds yeah. out. So she knows now what's going to happen to her. Darius doesn't give yeah. the chip. Yeah. yeah. Well, I guess not if she fails. If Darius fails. Yeah. So it's really out of her, <laughs> out of her control. So we think. <laughs> She's enraged when she finds out, and she has all these like evil thoughts about what to do with him that I totally relate to, and I, I have to read one of them because it's hilarious. I just love Colleen so much. Could she pretend she was truly crazy and scare him off? No, because it was Darius he really needed. He could throw her away if he decided she was worthless. She would do better to satisfy him that she was actually pr a pretty genetically solid creature and then do something wild in the virtual mode, like pushing him off a mile-high cliff into a mile-wide bed of carnivorous oysters who hadn't been fed for two years. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, yeah, girl! Yeah, that's what he deserves. Yeah. She knows that Darius is a man of his word and that he's going to stick to it. But she doesn't have to. That's right. <laughs> That's right. But she also knows that she, well, she doesn't know. I think she's unsure if it's even possible to kill an anchor person. Because she fears that if you kill an anchor person, that the entire virtual mode will dissolve. Because it can't, oh, yeah. it can't support itself. It has to have itself. five points. has to have five points. Yep. So she spends time coming up with another plan. Mm -hmm. And she does. She comes up with a plan. And we, we don't know it. We don't know it yet. Ah! She has to do her stupid consort mission, which really isn't that interesting. It's basically just a, accompanying Didwing to like another planet of like retired officials who are disgruntled because they have nothing to do. And she has to like liaison with them to like come to a peaceful resolution. Duh. Th that's it. <laughs> that's it. That's literally it. But she gets to wear that fancy brown dress. The fancy brown dress. This You wanted a dress description. Here we go. This is her dinner dress. Soon she was clean and garbed in a scintillating pale green dress, which made her look twice as good as she ever could be. <laughs> yeah, keep keep reading that part. Oh, right, because they're just talking about her body. Yeah. So it's really not that good. Her good. face and hair were angelic. Yeah, what Special else? Special reflective pins gave her the impression of a halo. Isn't there something about voluptuous yes, and long-legged? I skipped that part. Long-legged, sleek-tipped, narrow-waisted. A decolletage that could have come from a classic painting. Yes. So yeah, it's all about her body. Yeah. But it's green. At least we know it what is. color it is. Yes, that's true. <laughs> oh, boo. Piers yeah. Anthony, you disappoint me. And the other dress, it was just, she wore a brown gown that exactly matched the hue of her hair. And both had and both had been somehow enhanced to make them seem more livingly, livingly lustrous? Livingly? Living, livingly? Lustrous than any ordinary woman deserved. Piers any Anthony. ordinary woman deserved. <laughs> Pierce Anthony obviously writes his books with a th big fat thesaurus next to him because I feel like he uses strange words. Mm -hmm. Like, and listen, I'm a well-read individual. I'm not one of those people that doesn't know common words. There's words that he uses, and I should have written down some of them, that I'm just like, dude, you could have used a different word else. here. You picked a long, complicated word because you're just that kind of person. So she does the stupid task. Uh, she thought that Sekiro was helping her, but when she gets back, she realizes yeah. that Sekiro was, in fact, not helping her. So she was talking to herself. Yep, which means that she has And she formed, was reading other people yes. herself. So she has formed her own psychic ability. Cool. Or maybe she always had it and just didn't know. And he just helped. How to, yeah, yeah. didn't know how to tap into it. That's the end of that chapter. Well, there, let's see. There is a quote that I did like from this chapter sure. where... I think it's after she had the dinner with Didwing and Sekiro's kind of listening in and helping her like 
read his feelings and uh, but at the end of it she said horse face I love you horse face yes horse face I she love calls you. him that throughout the rest of the series it's kind of awesome it's cute it is cute see Emma didn't like their relationship at first but I like it now I've always liked them maybe it's because I knew that 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 was they yeah. were gonna get deeper mm-hmm. in there and they do throughout the entire thing last chapter decision. Now we're back with uh, Darius's point of view. They gather with Didwing. Oh, I skipped the whole like oh, sex wait. scene with them. Did, Did you? I mean, I skipped writing about it. Like, I mean, I read it, but. Oh, wait. Do you want to talk about how she lets Didwing know that she's telepathic? Oh, yeah. Well, he. That happens in chapter 11 at the very end. She gave up that she knew about the lobotomy during yeah. her, uh, during when her she mission. Meets with him and. Oh. Did he hear about it? Yeah, because he was watching her. her. Yeah. Like her voice translator ball was listening in. Right. And she had mentioned the lobotomy thing to one of the people on the planet or something. And so he's like, how did you know? And that's when she's like, I'm telepathic. So she doesn't want to give Sekiro away still. Right. So she says that she's telepathic, which she thought was a lie, but it turned out to be the truth. That's right. Because she did do it all on her own. Yeah. But, you know, whatever. The beginning of chapter 12, they ha- there is like a sort of love scene with Colleen and Darius, but they don't do it. She wants him to do it. He doesn't want to do it because he's a man of honor, yada, yada, yada. Yeah, I wrote, I yeah. felt like the their first night together was just ruined by the overtly male voice. Yeah, you're right. It is. <laughs> Like, I want this to be a sweet, romantic thing, and it's not. I mean, not. it could be. It could have been, because, you know, if you had rewritten it. So basically what happens is she goes in, she's like, hey, I'd like to be with you. And he's like, no, I want to wait till marriage, or I want to wait until we get to my mode where, you know, you're of legal age, I guess. Yeah. Because once again, she's underage. I try to forget that part, but whatever. Well, it's kind of easy to with the way with that the she, way she thinks acts. and acts. Yeah. But in, in his world, it's okay. So I guess he thinks that it'll be fine once they get there. Yeah. But he doesn't want to do it before then. So whatever. So they end up just like cuddling naked in the bed together. Which could have been really sweet and romantic. But the way Piers Anthony writes it, he makes it absolutely not sweet or romantic at no! all. No! <laughs> it's very disappointing. Do not read this book if you want some good romance scenes, because there ain't any. No. There's not. <laughs> and I remember being real frustrated when I read it the first time, too. See, like, okay, what was The Hunter, right? Yeah. Yes. That was a good one. Yes. And yeah. and nothing really happened necessarily in those, but the it's, way yes. that she described it. And I think just, I told you when we read that, that that was the first book I had read that had romantic scenes that really made me feel something yeah because prior to that i was reading a bunch of books written by men yeah and i'm not saying men can't write good romance scenes they absolutely can but back but, then i don't i mean but i mean even that... now like think about neil gaiman for instance mm-hmm. he's a fantastic writer yes he is he can't write romance because he hasn't well he hasn't tried yet but he just doesn't he? he has relationships in his books but there's never any romance there like never I can't think of a single I think one. He, I think he could. To- I think he's totally capable of it. Pierce Anthony's definitely interested in it. He wants to write it, but he he can't. I don't know. I mean, I guess maybe he doesn't want to write romance. He just wants to write the I think, sex. I think and- some people just don't know how to. Like Stardust was supposed to be a romantic story, oh, but yet it? it had like not an ounce I to- of I, real romantic feeling wow. in it. I didn't. Think it was it all about yeah. love. Well, yeah, I could see it about being being about love, but it wasn't. 
but there was no romance because no. he can't write it <laughs> or he didn't he chose not to i'm yeah. just saying that like i don't i feel like a lot of god i feel so bad generalizing them i feel like a lot of guys just don't see the importance of it like they think the important part is the fantasy and the world building which it is it is important but i need that romance and there it, well now i'm determined to find a male author out there that can do it i'm trying to think if i know of one there's got to be I'll have to think hard and, like, get back with you. Okay. There's got to be one out there. I can't think of one right now. <laughs> I don't know. I'll, I'll, just, I'll just have to think about it. Think about my favorite romantic books, but I just, no. Just, there aren't any. They gather with Didwing in order to go out into the modes. He's as prepared as anyone can get. He's got, like, armor and, like, and everything. packs and, yeah. like, he's got all kinds of things with him. He is determined well, to that, get through this. Well, that was something that I found unusual. Darius, like, gave him all these tips, like, okay, you're an anchor here, so you have to bring your own food, your own water. Like, he's telling him how to maneuver through this. I'm like, why are you giving him all this information? Because he's an honorable <laughs> dude, and he promised to guide him safely. He didn't just say, I'll, I'll guide you. He said, I'll guide you safely. Oh, why would you even make that promise? Just say, yeah, I'll take you to... And then just let him kill himself. <laughs> yeah. But it's a good thing he didn't because Didwing tells him that he's bringing his pain dial, which essentially is programmed that if anything, if like he's dead, if he gets killed, they all will die. So now they have this obligation. He thinks of everything. My God. I know. I'm wondering, and well, they mentioned that Darius is unsure if the pain dial will work across modes, mm-hmm. but Didwing is like positive that it will. So, I mean, he I guess has, they used it in the past when they well, were conquering I, other modes. He maybe? used his science stuff in the, like the surrounding barren modes, but that doesn't mean it's going to work further along. Right. But he swears that it will. I don't know. I don't know. If it's science, I don't see why it wouldn't. Science isn't magic. That's true. So. Although I don't see how that's not magical. <laughs> but whatever. I don't see how scientifically you can, can direct pain towards the person, but whatever. With, with this portable little yeah. dial thing. Yeah. yeah. They know that they can't kill him. Darius tells Didwing that he must try to open his mind in order to receive the like correct path. Because remember when we oh, started yeah. on this journey, like you attune to what the correct path to right. travel and he is. Doesn't, and because he's so honorable, he doesn't want Didwing to fall off the path. And I mean, and he's got the dial. So well, I guess if anything happened too. Didwing kind of insists as well, because Darius is like, you know, your people have closed minds that you may not be able to attune, in which case just follow us. And Didwing's like, no. I can do this. <laughs> I have to do this on my own. So Darius kind of coaches him on how to open his mind. But as soon as Didwing is like, I, I feel something, the whole world starts spinning. And it's the way they describe it is really weird. It's almost like, uh, I imagine it to be kind of like a slot machine that's going really fast. Mm-hmm. And so they see like the world like spinning and no one's like freaking out, which is weird. Like, yeah. like I think they, Darius just says he like hangs onto Sekiro because he feels like he's going to fall over. And that's pretty much it. But Didwing's castle disappears around them. And while the world is spinning, Colleen explains that Sekiro waited for his mind, Didwing's mind to be open, went in there, and convinced him to release his anchor. Oh. Which is a brilliant, brilliant idea. idea. Brilliant. <laughs> Darius is, like, shocked that Colleen could be deceitful. 
He's like, can I, how can I love a dishonest woman? And I'm like, Darius, don't be so sanctimonious, you chode. Come on. She did everyone a favor. That's right. And also, she didn't promise anything. No, no she did not. And come on, like, I don't know what they would have done to Darius had he not delivered the chip, but I feel like Colleen would have gotten the really crappy end of the bargain. Yes. So she should fight for her life. Absolutely. Because... Like, right now, her life is kind of, like, in the hands of everyone else, and that ain't fair. Yeah. Do what you gotta do, girl. Exactly. Of course, he's just like, but you lied. But she's like, I'm sorry. She, And, I mean, she owned up to it. I'm sorry I had to do it. Yep. You know? I think it was brilliant. Yeah. You go, Colleen. Finally, the world stops spinning, and they wind up in a new, strange, and beautiful landscape. That's where the fractals come into play. They talk about how, like, the, I guess it's, like, clouds, I guess, that are shaped like fractals. Mm -hmm. They put, they describe it in detail. But then there is a woman there who they presume to be the new anchor. Colleen speaks into her mind and says, hey, your name is Nona. Because she, I guess she reads it from her mind. Mm-hmm. We are your friends. And then it ends with, I certainly hope so. <laughs> and that's the it. end. The end. That's the end of the first book. What do we say about it? <laughs> I still like it. No, it's good. As, as far as whether or not it holds up, I feel like yes, except the, the sexism part bugged me a whole lot more. Yeah. But I mentioned that at the beginning. It's just, that's the only part that I'm just kind of like. And despite, obviously, Piers Anthony's writing style is a very specific type mm-hmm. that you're either going to be into or you're not. And mm-hmm. to be honest, I'm not into that kind of style. But the story elements were interesting enough to me that it propelled me through. Yeah. There were definitely parts that drug because of too much whatever. But I can kind of skim through those, and I was fine. I definitely wanted to read more after this, and I read all of them. Other than the sexist parts, you still enjoy it? Yes. Yes. I still do, because, I mean, the world is so interesting, and the concept of, like, alternate realities is really interesting to me. And despite the, like, lack of romance writing, I really just wanted to see Colleen and Darius finally get their happy ending. Like, I really wanted to see it through to the end. Yeah. And obviously, I I liked his writing style enough to go on and read a bunch of his other books, because I did. This was the first of his that I read, and I went on to read a bunch of more. Yeah. And a lot of those were good, too, but they're just kind of clinical. Yeah. You just got to, you know. It's like the it's Tom not Clancy light and fantasy. Breezy. Yeah, no, it's not. It's not light and breezy. It's not. And sometimes I'm totally in the mood for that, and other times I'm like, oh, my gosh. <laughs> if I were to be tested on this, I would fail. So if you want to take out all of the, you know, writing style hiccups that we didn't like, mm-hmm. what's your overall opinion? I liked it. I like the concepts. Um, I think he has a fantastic imagination. Yeah. I'm able, I don't know if this is a good thing, but I'm kind of <laughs> able to take that sexist part of it and put it aside. Yeah. Because like, uh, yes, I recognize what time it was written. Not that that, not that that alleviates anything or makes any excuses. And also, some of it I feel like is cultural based as far as like Darius's society. Um, so s- for the most part, it didn't bother me. There were there were times where I guess it was just mostly like the the, the love scenes. Like yeah. I ju- I want them to be romantic. Yeah. I don't want them to be this like fanboy sex scene yeah um but i loved his concepts i love his imagination i read a little bit about the author's note in the back yeah which i found very interesting he does those at the end of all of his books he talks about how he uh received a lot of fan a lot of mail from people um 
some women that were uh, depressed, young girls that were depressed, and kind of used some of it as material as right. far as like building Colleen's character and how like one girl was like overstepping her boundaries with him and would like he felt Be like more he like was sexual. Well, no, well he felt like he was helping her, so yeah. like she would call him up. Oh, and he would talk to her, wow. but it would like last a long time, and then she would, yeah. Sometimes things would get kind of sexual, and he's like, no, no. yeah, no, and he had to limit her to like one hour a month. Wow, it was yeah. I'm like, whoa. He, I mean, he. Everyone is anonymous. He doesn't. Yeah. But um, he also mentioned that he's very liberal. He has very liberal views according uh, with politics. Mm-hmm. Um, doesn't believe in killing of any kind. So, you know. So he's Darius. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> for the most part. Pretty much. Uh, he did mention, I, I think, like being being for feminists. So I'm. So I don't know yeah. why. I can't tell if he's pointing out the things as far as like, See, that's this why is a problem with male society or like, we male, talked like about that toxic last time. masculinity. Well, not necessarily toxic masculinity, but yeah, this this is sexist and I want to point this out about I our society. But I would say yes, except that all his books are like this. I But it we did talk about this last time, but it is, a com- I think about it a lot more now because I can't imagine a more independent character, female character than Colleen. Yeah. And yet... And yet I have to know what everyone's boobs look like. And I'm like, is he is he doing this because he thinks he has to? Like, because this is what fantasy readers want? Or maybe he's doing it in the way that, I guess it's like, I don't know. Because he talks about, he does mention that he does, he does believe that male and female's brains work differently. Clearly. And clearly. So I'm like, okay, well, maybe he's just pointing out the breast because he thinks all that men's all brain men, are thinking about sex and so but if there's a woman but i feel like woman, he's doing men a disservice because I, I don't remember exactly which point in the book there was like a sentence where i was like man he does not think very highly of men because he just he writes men in that that's the only thing that they're thinking about and that clearly every man wants to have sex like the whole like android thing They're assuming that a man wants and needs to have sex with their servant every day. Yeah. But I don't think men necessarily need to do that every day. No, I don't. I mean, that's ridiculous. And and who's to say that, like, okay, if you think that about a man, like, why couldn't that be about a woman? Yeah. Maybe there are women out there that feel that way. Well, they did say that the... uh, that she could do sexual services. Colleen could have done that with her male. Her stallion. Her male oh. stallion. Yeah. Ugh, oh, like, that's just so weird because her best friend over yeah. here is a horse. And I don't remember if they say what task she gave him instead, but like, it seemed to be more just understandable. Lift that heavy object over there. That's what your task is. <laughs> lift that heavy object. Yeah. <laughs> and if you want to do it naked, okay. Um, but whatever. I don't really know. Like, I, but it seems. That it was more, it was less expected that the woman would need the sexual yeah. services of the man than it was that the man would absolutely, absolutely. definitely want to yes. have sex with his female servant every day. day. Yeah, and I'm like, well, shit. When do you have time to like have sex with your wife? <laughs> who, <laughs> Sorry, honey. Who knows? I'm tired. Well, I, I think there was my android. Well, I, I think there was a mention too that it helps a marriage because it helps with the. India. boring monogamous okay. chore maybe <laughs> like um, there are probably people that would agree with that but i'm just like shit yeah. it would feel like a fucking burden to have to sleep with you every day but apparently according to him 
Men are totally down with this. But yeah, men are different. 100% down. And Didwing is like having sex with his uh, androids and his mistresses. And yeah. I don't know. Yeah. His multiple mistresses. And I'm just like, damn, who has time to do anything else other than have sex? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I feel like that's just like fanboy fantasy. But I don't know if he shares that fantasy. But I have to feel like he does because all his books are kind of pervy. Kind of like that, yeah. They're just all kind of pervy. Well, I did like that he chose to have a character um, who, let's see, she self-diagnosed herself with borderline personality disorder. Yeah, they didn't say she ever went to a doctor, did they? No, she self-diagnosed. Cool. Um, and I can't I can't totally associate with that uh, because there is some kind of like thrill-seeking type of self-destructive behavior. But I did, I did connect with the depression. Um, and she was a pretty relatable and realistic character. Yeah. I, I think that's I think her character is the main reason why I really loved this because being a teenager I was like she's so cool mm -hmm. despite all her flaws and stuff because she just did things I always wished I could do took charge and thought of plans and you know had this cool like manipulative nature where people where she could like convince people to do what she wanted and I think there's like a a paragraph where Darius kind of describes her in that way where yeah. he like he's like oh Didwing's in trouble because you know Colleen has this power to like make people do what they she wants them to do and I'm mm -hmm. like yeah, yeah she's cool she's cool and I think by the end of it I I like horses a little bit more yes <laughs> see Sekiro is awesome but he could be any creature to be honest like him being a horse is just because that's what Colleen likes but but why I don't, is that I'm, I'm seriously going girls. to like research Horse girls there's got to yeah there's got to be some kind of articles studies done about why why it is that I mean you could just have type in why do girls like, like horses, horses. <laughs> Give me a second Wait are, is anything weird going to pop up Uh, uh say search on <laughs> why do Yeah in my mind I was like um if this were a reality show at some point they'd have they'd send me to a horse farm <laughs> Where either by the end of the episode, I loved horses, I was totally traumatized, and they'd be able to use that for the entire season. This is from NPR, so this has to be. That's got to be legit. People have long speculated about why girls love horses. According to Peggy Orenstein, author of Cinderella Ate My Daughter. What? I, I don't know. <laughs> she says that by identifying with these dynamic, strong animals, girls are expressing their own power. Interesting. There's a long article about it. Okay, I'm going to have to read that later. Because one of the things when I was, you know, driving around thinking in my head about, oh, why don't I really connect with horses? And part of it is I think I'm intimidated by them. I was intimidated by them as a kid. They're huge. They're all muscle, like no fat, so they're not cuddly. And I yeah. just... It's apparently, according to this, from what I'm skimming, it's like power. Because it says, uh, there's a quote... To be in control or out of control on a galloping horse is a wild feeling. You are one with it, and you just feel the power underneath you, and that's part of the attraction. I guess it kind of makes sense as to why Colleen would like horses. She wants to feel wild and free. Yes, and powerful. power. Yeah. Well, there you go. You there can you read go. that later if you want to know more. <laughs> okay. Apparently, people have done studies, Emma, about why girls I'm not like the horses. only one that's no. like, why? Not the only one. <laughs> Do you know what our next book is, Emma? Yes. I've decided this is... Ooh. So I probably... You know me. I don't reread books. So I probably only read this once. But this was the first book I stayed up all night to read. 
It's called Eeny Meeny Murphy No. And it's by Colleen O'Shaughnessy McKenna. So just a little tagline on Goodreads. During Colette Murphy's first trip to camp, she finds some fun and lots of trouble when the meanest girl there declares war on her. Oh, I've never heard of this. So it's part of a series uh, about the Murphys. I think it's a family of like five. Hmm. Uh, but, Are there but good parents in this one? God, I hope so. God, I hope so too. But the, re- <laughs> the reason why I loved the summer camp one uh, is because it has a... Uh, it has her diary entries in there. Oh, that's cool. So, yeah. I like summer camp stories. I'm fine with that. Yeah. We've had one that we've read already, and there's actually one on my list. It's not like high on my list of things we want to read, but it's a summer camp one, too. Okay. So, I don't know. Eventually, we'll get there. I love summer camp books. I don't cool. know why. <laughs> Good. Um, all right. So, that's what we're going to do next time. If you want to read along with us, do so and let us know what you thought about virtual mode. Virtual mode. And if you want to read the rest of them, I'm, I'm hoping Emma will. Yeah, I'm going to read them all. I will. Yeah. Till next time, guys. Bye. See ya. To learn more about us and see what we're going to read next, visit our website at growingupbookish.com. 